One percenters, welcome back to another episode of the One Percent Podcast. I'll be your host, like usual, David Nurse. Guys, I know this quarantine time can seem kind of monotonous, the Groundhog Day, but you can turn this negative into a positive, the perspective, the way that you see each day. Think about the small gifts that you have, like the warm bed you wake up in, the food you have to eat, the the air you're breathing. Think about just the small things. It'll change your perspective and use this time to pivot crisis for opportunity. Pour into yourself 1% daily in your dreams, in your mind, in your body development, in your relationships, and you will come out of this so much better than you went in. But you have to believe that. You have to believe you have greatness inside of you because you do. And this guy, this guest would tell you you do as well because he had to overcome so much on his journey. The perception that he couldn't be the best basketball player in the world. He couldn't be the best college basketball player, but he did. From BYU, Jimmer Fredent. Now, I'm really excited about this one because Jimmer is not only one of the best basketball players walking the planet in an absolute just magnet light to so many, but he's a very good friend. And even more than the basketball player he is, he's an even greater person. And you're going to see that. He just oozes out of him the authentic, genuine, honest, true self that he is. You're going to be able to take away great tricks, tools, habits that Jimmer uses to make him great in his mindset and on court and in his everything overall development and be able to use it in your own life. He's so passionate, driven, motivated. You're just going to come out of here as a ball of energy, a ball of light. Jimmer Fredette is exactly that. Blessed to have him on the 1% podcast. One percenters, buckle up because here we go. You know that sound when you want a great night's sleep? Yeah, that's what you get from Chili Technology. Chili Pad and the Uller, literally the biggest game changer that I've ever used in my own life for sleep. I would not be promoting these guys if I didn't believe in them. Great people in the organization and just the product. Oh my goodness, the deep sleep, the REM. The I just wake up recharged, rejuvenated every single day because I sleep on the Uller, which cools my body temperature to exactly where I want to be at. And the ideal temperature is between 62 and 68 degrees. I like it really cold, like 58 degrees. And that cold, sleeping in the cold, as we all know, gives you a better rejuvenation, regenerative sleep every single night. It's like plugging your iPhone in. Would you want to plug it in and wake up with the iPhone being 75%? No. Make it 100%. And that's what the Uller and Chili Pad bring to you. And for you listeners, for you one percenters, I have a huge big time discount code to check this out. The links will be in the show notes on how to do that. If you want to sleep better, if you really want to have great sleep, which we all do, this is the answer. All right. One percent podcast, Jimmer Fredette. How we doing? I'm doing great, man. Just here in Colorado, you know, enjoying the family, you know, quarantined over here as well. So, uh, you know, just having a good time, but I'm happy to be on the podcast with both of you guys. This is, this is great. The quarantine life. And we got Ray McCollum, the amazing guest host coming straight from China itself. Ray, how you doing over there in China? You surviving baby? Oh yeah. I'm all good. Happy to be good. here. Good. Good. All right, before we start this thing off, let's talk about this quarantine real quick. Not like, okay, what's going on with the quarantine, but what is the sneakiest 
coolest thing you guys have done during quarantine? For myself, it's been watch my wife do a puzzle while I added two pieces to it and really helped not at all. <laughs> Jimmer, what you got? Me, uh, so I live on a I live on a golf course, which is nice, skated community. Um, so I'm fortunate enough to be able to drive some the golf cart around the neighborhood, and we've had some real Clutch. great golf cart rides. You know, real great. You know, going on Dude. 30 to 45 minutes, just going around looking for animals and just uh, enjoying being outside. So that's about the best we can do. <laughs> Man, that's amazing. <laughs> Ray, you done anything? Uh, well, for my corn. You know, I was in a hotel for 14 days. Couldn't leave. Uh, <laughs> you really quarantined. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the most creative thing I did was I created a little in-home gym. I had, wow. I had the bands going, had the weights going in the weight room, created a kitchen. My gosh. Or everything going. So I kind of made a, made a home within a room. Great. You're the ultimate one percenter, man. They try to hold you down in quarantine and your biceps get even bigger. They're really one percenter. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, Ray, Ray. One of the one of the funniest things I saw was that was that video that craziest thing I've probably done so far. <laughs> Ray, Ray. One of the funniest things I saw was that video you were doing about the food that you got when you got out of quarantine. Like the food wasn't even any good, but it was just the first time you had actual real food, huh? Exactly. Makes you appreciate everything, you know. Crazy, crazy. All right, as we get rolling now, Jimmer. Start us off with a bang, something that maybe nobody necessarily really knows about you. Some, I mean, kind of like the secret golf cart thing that you got going on, but, but start us off with a bang here on this 1% podcast. Yeah. I don't know if I have any bangs for you, but I mean, there's something that I don't, so that don't, people don't really know about me is that I really enjoy and I'm actually pretty good at cooking. Wow. Yeah. I, I like to cook. I enjoy that, uh, grilling and, and different things. And, but that you kind of learn how to do that when you're kind of by yourself a little bit, playing overseas in different places. You got a lot of time on your hands. So I figured out what I was good at, what I could cook, uh, different types of things like that. So uh, that's something that, I, that people don't really know about me. Man. That's really cooking. That's really cooking. No, I, I, I cook cook. Like I, I, I cook, thought he was going to say something about the TikTok. They didn't know he could dance because I didn't. <laughs> and I see he's on TikTok. Dancing every, every uh, oh, every yeah, other nah. I, I, if you if you YouTube me enough, you'll find uh, you'll find a bunch of dancing clips of uh, everywhere that I've been at. So, uh, people know about the dance skills already. Okay, um, okay, Make people you, know yeah. that I've dunked the ball at least once in my life. <laughs> um, so I can't, I couldn't pick those ones out yet, <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, you that's a you are cooking for sure. So whenever you say rosemary in front of something, like, I don't care what it is. That means you know what you're doing. Like, I don't even really know what rosemary is. It's one of those. Sure, marinated it in a rosemary ranch chicken all night. There you go. Marinated. marinated it, threw it on the grill, cooked it up. It was, it was great. Unbelievable. Whenever we get to travel again, Ray, if you ever get back to the United States, we know where we're going for grill out. Yes, summer sir. off season. All right, let's jump into pivoting the pivots you've made in your life. So let's talk about talk about your journey, but more so the obstacles that you've had to overcome in that journey to get to where you were at BYU, in the NBA, where you are currently overseas. What types of obstacles being not the big seven foot or super, I mean, you're pretty athletic, like super crazy, crazy athlete, freak specimen, but things that you've had to overcome obstacles in your journey. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that's definitely, you know, one of them just not being the most athletic guy, obviously athletic, but not super tall, you know, don't have extremely long arms and, you know, can't jump really that well, you know, all these different things that, you know, some guys are, are blessed with, um, you know, I necessarily wasn't blessed with that, but uh, I was blessed with a great work ethic, which I think, which I think uh, is something that really helped me, you know, was able to get over the hump with that. But, you know, that's one thing, but also, you know, when I was in high school, I was from a really small school in upstate New York. Um, and because of that, I wasn't very heavily recruited um, out of high school. And, and I know Ray wasn't, you know, Ray was, you know, went to a small, went to a smaller mid-major school. Um, but, uh, you know, both things worked out well for us, but, you know, not being heavily recruited, you know, the, the, the coaches would see you and they'd watch you play and they would be, I'd be on the AU circuit playing against all the best players and play well, but I would still be overlooked and wouldn't, you know, get any offers. I didn't get any offers from any ACC or Big East or Big Ten schools or anything like that. Just uh, mid-majors and BYU was the biggest school that offered me a scholarship. So, I mean, um, so I think being from a small school is a little bit of a hurdle uh, to try to, to get to where I wanted to go. And, um, you know, I think those two things are probably, you know, two of the biggest things that were hurdles for me. Jimmer, I got to ask, man. Uh, first, I've had the pleasure of being your teammate. Yes. Um, and I remember me and young Ben McLemore at the time, we definitely asked you all the questions in the world, man. We, we really looked up to you. Um, <laughs> and now me being over here in China where you have been, um, also I played in the Euro league and being in Europe the last two years, the impact that you've made on the game, like around the world is crazy. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, a couple months ago, I posted on Instagram on my story uh, that you had a Shanghai Sharks jersey that they're selling next to LeBron James here, at, uh, you know, out here in the streets of China. <laughs> and, and then I remember last year, uh, Devin Booker sent, um, when you were in Phoenix, um, said something like, you know, I'm, I'm teammates with Jamal and Jimmer for that. Yeah. Was, like, That's crazy. That's wild. You know, like, do you realize the impact that you've made, like, on just the basketball world, I mean, around the whole world, you know what I mean? It's like, you're a Jimmer, you're a Jimmer for debt. Like everywhere you go in Europe, I'm sure you see crazy. Everywhere in China, like, man, they're selling your jersey. They're not selling anyone else's jersey out here. Yeah. Like, how, how does that feel? You know, it's, it's, it's been an honor. I mean, the thing about it is um, I don't really, I, I feel the impact, but at the same time, you know, you don't really, you don't really notice it too much until, you know, people bring it up. Um, but one thing that I do know is that I appreciate all the fans. I appreciate all the fans out there. I mean, I know that I have, have lots of them. I had lots, I've had lots of them since um, BYU in the college days and they've continued to stay with me um, through the good and the bad. You know, that's the crazy thing about it is that not everything has gone perfect for me in my career. And just because it has, it doesn't mean that the fans have gone away. They just still have believed in me. And then I've gotten into situations, you know, like over in China, obviously that was perfect for me. And then, you know, things kind of, kind of exploded again. And, and then you realize that it's not just the United States thing. Like you said, it's a worldwide thing, you know, yeah. over in China, I might be more popular over in China than I am in the U S just because <laughs> your numbers of people over there, you know what I mean? And, which is, which is pretty amazing um, to, to think about, but uh it's been an honor to be able to be, you know, not just a great basketball player, 
globally. Hopefully, you know, they get to know me as a person and be a good ambassador um, just for my family, for my church and everything um, globally. And I hope that that's uh, been something that people have seen as well. So it's, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been amazing. I mean, I can't complain about the, the career that I've had and the impact that I've made, which has been, it's been special. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy, that's, that's amazing. First of all, I didn't know you guys were teammates. You were teammates in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Look at this. The all-star lineup here, but uh, Hey, you know what that is? I mean, that's a testament to your abilities that you have, but also to the person that you are. Like you wouldn't be that well received throughout the world if you weren't the genuine giving person that takes the time to sign every autograph, to take every picture. I mean, I've seen you around people that TBT just mobbing you and you're taking your time with everybody. So it's it's a testament to your abilities, but it's also a testament to the person you are. And in in being that just huge global phenomenon that 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 you've become it it's obviously there's a weight on your shoulders that you that that can be there but there's also perceptions that have gone into play throughout your career through everyone's career i mean ray can attest to this too if you're not super tall super athletic they don't think you can play in the nba it is there's perceptions that like the nba might place upon you that Kind of that, that that brings you down, that doesn't give you a fair shot, a fair opportunity. Because, man, you can play in the NBA. You're one of the top five shooters in the world. And I think I'm a top five shooter in the world, but I'm going to tell you you're a top five shooter in the world. But anyways, how have you dealt with dealing with these types of perceptions that maybe the NBA or some people might place upon you? Yeah, you know, it, it's not easy, especially, um, you know, uh, right out of college when you're young. You know, because, you know, right away, you know, the perception of me, the two things that, you know, were specifically the perception for me was one, can't play defense. Two, is he a point guard or a shooting guard? And at that point, that was a, that was still kind of a big deal at that point when I got drafted. Yeah. We yeah. weren't like necessarily positionless basketball like it is today, where, you know, small ball, the shooting three from, a, you know, deep range and all that stuff. That was a part of the game, but it wasn't like the main focus of the game like it is now. Um, so they were trying to figure out my position. They were trying to figure out if I was a two or if I was a one. Could I handle it? Could I, you know, play defense against a point guard or against a two guard? Instead of just, you know, necessarily letting me just go out there and kind of figure it out, you know, and put me on whoever it was that time and let me play point or two. It depends on who it is, you know let someone else handle, let me handle, you know, it was kind of like you needed to be in that type of a box. So because of that, that, that perception defense of what, who am I going to guard? What position am I going to play offensively? Um, you know, made it so that they were trying different things. And if it didn't work, you know, they'd take me out and, you know, you know didn't give it a try again, you know? So it was, those types of perceptions are, are difficult, but at the same time, there's not much you can do about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's the focus is that for me, I got some great advice when I was, uh, you know, in Sacramento uh, from Francisco Garcia, who was one of my veterans. Um, he just said, control the things that you can control. And, uh, you know, you can control your attitude. You can control your work ethic. Try to work hard every day. Um, try to uh, have a good attitude going in every day. Still being a great teammate and doing as best as I can, whether it's I'm playing or I'm not, and then just try to be happy and bring everybody's energy up every day. Um, so I tried to work on those things, and I knew if I continued to do that, that at some point things would turn in my favor. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think that they honest, they honestly did at, at a certain point, but it wasn't in the NBA. It was over in China. So, but I knew that at some point it was going to turn and it, it worked out for me better than I could imagine. Yeah, beautiful answer. That, Ray, before you jump in with this next question, I just got to touch on that point that, that Jimmer made of joy, playing with joy how important that is. And, and Jimmy, you really do. Like, I see that in you. Every time you're on the court, there's just like an energy of joy that's coming out of you. And, the, and it's, and it shows like, it's, it's, it shows in your game in the way you play. And it's, yeah, I, I just wanted to compliment you on that. That joy is infectious. So appreciate that. Appreciate you always that. I try to bring it. That's something it's just kind of me as a person. I'm kind of just a, yeah. a happy person. I try to take that personality into the locker room and into the game. Um, you know, cause I feel like, it's a long season. It's a grind. You know what I mean? No matter where you are. So you always have to have at least one or two guys that are upbeat, that are positive, yep. that are, you know, bring some energy every single night. And, uh, you know, so I felt like I was trying to be one of those guys um, that was just more positive and trying to be a good person and try to help out as much as I could if I was playing or if I wasn't playing. So, yeah. Awesome. That's good, man. And when one thing he did say was he said, control what you can control. And that's something that the vets always – and then with that being said, now you're taking your career in the control of your hand and you decide to make the jump to, to China. How, how was that decision for you? Yeah, that was tough. That was really tough. Um, that was right after – so uh, I had played in the G, the, the G League, the D League back then. For about a year, I got called up by a couple times by the Pelicans, by the Knicks and everything. And then that summer, I was kind of debating what I wanted to do. And San Antonio came to me with a half-guaranteed deal. Um, so we took that. We took that from San Antonio, a half-guaranteed deal. Um, but it turns out at that point, they, you know, they weren't necessarily, you know, looking for, for what, I was, was what I needed. They needed more of a forward. Um, so they ended up cutting me after the preseason. Um, and that was difficult for me because I had never been cut from a basketball team before. And uh, so to have – you know, so them come in and say, you know, we don't want you a part of our team. You know, that's that's difficult to hear. But, you know, at some point, pretty much everybody hears it. And so at that point, I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. And I felt obviously the NBA at that point wasn't the right option. So I had a lot of European offers and then I had an offer from Shanghai, China. And uh, I talked I spoke with uh, Yao Ming, who was the the, uh, the the president of the team at the time and the owner. And he really wanted me to come over. Uh, he's like, you know, we love your skill set. We love what you bring. He's like, we haven't been very good for the past, um, you know, three or four years that made the playoffs. And he's like, we need some type of buzz. And I feel like you can come over here and really fit our team really well and, and hopefully give the city and energy some buzz. And, you know, I thought about it and, you know, prayed about it and, you know, was, was nervous to make the jump to China as my first place to go overseas because um, I didn't know what to expect and then heard some horror stories over there with different players and everything. But I was like, you know, this is where I feel like I need to go. Um, and my wife was on board and, you know, we, I went over there and, and uh, you know, the rest is history. So, but it was, uh, it was definitely a difficult decision, but it was something that, you know, I just knew in my mind it was the right decision, the, the thing that I needed to do. And I think Yao Ming and the coach over there, Brian Gorgian, who was over there, I think those guys had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Now that's a, that's a great decision you made. And, and, Man, from someone playing in the CBA now, uh, the numbers you put up, the work you were putting in over here. I mean, the nurse, he's putting up 40. He's averaging 40 <laughs> out here. The man has five in the game. You know what I mean? It's, it's, hey. some people, some people underestimate, oh, you're in China. 
know, like from being here, like that's not easy. Right. You know, to go out there and score 30, 40 every night. Like you don't real people don't realize you're getting double teamed, you're getting picked up full court, boxing one. And then out in Europe, you're saying that too. Like it's a whole different game. Um one night you make 20 points in 20 minutes, and then the next night is the coach plays you five, eight, ten minutes. It's just not much time to uh, really produce. And then you got everybody looking at you like, why didn't you have me in the 15 minutes I got? You know, yeah. just from, you know, playing in China, Europe, like you you played on every the highest level around the world. Like you, it's helped you even become a better player now. Just being in the situations that you've had to deal with the last three, four years being overseas. For sure. I mean, the thing that I've really, you know, China really helped me become a better basketball player. The reason why is because you have the ball in your hands so much and you're making decisions pretty much every play. You have to be able to do everything. You rebound, you, you pass, you score, you shoot, um, you play defense, you get steals. You do you, like you're such a big part of the winning on that team. Which, which I enjoyed as a competitive person. I was like, this is great because I love to be able to control the narrative of the team. It's tough to not play, you know, or not be as much of a part of, uh, you know, the winning and, and having to rely on someone else to do it. Um, you know, but that's the part of basketball. You know what I mean? You have to do that. But in China, you were really a big part of that um, winning and losing. So I thought that that was great. And I got better as a basketball player. So for three years, I did that. And, you know, like you said, it's not easy over there. It's difficult. They're physical. They play hard. They double. They do everything they can to not let you score the basketball because they know that's what you want to do. Um, and then I got to Europe, and it's a completely different situation, like you said. Um, you know, pretty much everyone over here plays 20 minutes. Um, you get five to eight shots a game, and that's pretty much what's going to happen on a nightly basis. And some games I'd play 10 minutes, like you say. Some games I'd play 25. Depends on the night. Um, but the one thing that I've learned from Europe is how to be more efficient. And I think that that's something that really has helped. Like my, my shooting percentages this year in the Greek league, I shot 60% from the two pointer and 60% from the three pointer and then 95% from the free throw line in the Greek league In the Euro league, I was 50, 40, 90 as well. So I think that that has really helped me realize to take good shots. And then when I get those good shots to be able to make them. And I think that's what people are looking for. Can you repeat those numbers one more time? Wow. Wow. There. 60, 60, 90. I, that's, that, that's never been done. That's amazing. That man. was in the Greek League this year. Yeah, in the Greek League. I, we only played about 15. I played about 17 to 18 minutes a game. The Greek League isn't, you know, nearly as good as what it used to be. You know, there's still some really good teams in it, but not like it used to be. But, yeah, I shot the ball incredibly well the best I've ever shot the ball before in my life with those percentages. And wow. uh, so, I mean, but that helps, but I learned how to become efficient. I was like, I know I'm not going to get many shots. So because of that, I was like, if I want to score, I got to make them. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, really focus in. And when I get a shot, I'm going to focus in and try to nail it, you know, and try to make it. Whereas, you know, in other places you still focus on it, but you know, in China, you're going to get so many shots. So if I miss my first six shots, I was like, I don't care. I can still, I can make my next nine, 10 shots and still get to where I'd be. Whereas in Europe, we don't get that opportunity. That's so good. And I love how you adapt to the culture, to the situation that you're in, the mindset that you have. Europe, you have to be efficient. And you don't just embrace that. You go 60, 90, 60, 60, 90, which is literally 
nuts. Over in China, you can get a lot of shots, but you're still being pressured physical. And Ray, I, it doesn't matter. Like you score 70 in an open gym, like a, I can't even score 70 if nobody's guarding me and I got like an hour to, to score. So you're doing that in, in the NBA and you're figuring out your role and figuring out where your impact is. Just being able to have that type of mindset not just for basketball, but for all listeners of whatever situation you're in, whether it's a job you don't like to be in, like do the best you can, the situation you're in, the surroundings you're in, and it's just going to great things are going to come. So that that mindset that you have is absolutely 1% mindset. And we talk a lot about that on the on the podcast in staying ahead of the competition, not necessarily just being one step ahead, but how do you get two steps ahead of the competition? Do you have any things in your routine or your non-negotiables that you do that that you feel like, man, this just gives me the edge? I know you have a relentless work ethic, but is there anything else that you're doing on a daily basis? Like for me, I'm taking an ice cold shower the first thing I do when I wake up so I know I can attack the day and get through anything that day. Super excited to share with you guys that my first book, Pivot and Go, is on pre-sale now. AmazonDavidNurse.com, Pivot and Go. It's about making mindset pivots, small, slight changes in your perspective, little shifts that can change your entire perspective on life. It's based on 29 days, 28 to make a habit. 29 to make a lifestyle. There are 29 chapters, 29 mindset pivots that will absolutely have you coming out of there with extreme joy for the life you live, passion for the mission you're on, and confidence in who you are. So it would be awesome. If you could support the book, check it out. Let me know what you think. I'm going to be sending out a free autographed copy in the next month as well. It's on Amazon pre-sale. It's on davidnurse.com. Pivot and go. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things that I do. Um, the two things that I like to focus on that um, maybe other guys sometimes, you know, other guys may focus on, but something that really is bigger for me is one, um, my conditioning. And I love to be, I want to be in the best condition on, uh, on the court because I know that I know that I get guarded so heavily and so tight most of the game. And they're throwing different defenders at me. But a lot of times the defenders, they're playing as hard as they can. And they're, you know, they're denying me the ball. And, you know, they're doing all these things. And that's that's difficult. That's tiring. And it's tiring for me to try to get open. But if I can be in better short quarter, that's when I can really, really get after it. And that's what I did in China a lot was my second halves were always a lot better usually than my first halves because I was in good condition. And I could just run around screens. I could run around full court pull-ups, do all these things when the other guys just just a little bit tired. They couldn't quit their, quite get their jump off quite as much, you know, different things. So I think that's one thing that I focus on. That's a big deal for me that sets me apart. The other thing is mental, mental visualization. That's something that is non-negotiable for me. Um, my mom taught me that at a young age and she, you know, she told me that, you know, just picture yourself making free throws, just picture yourself making free point shots because your brain can't really decipher the difference between actually making it physically or if you're thinking about it and you're still making it while you're thinking about it, it still feels like you're practicing, still feels like you're doing that. And it gives you that confidence. It gives you that edge that I have, I can do it. So I take time every single day to visualize myself um, becoming better as a basketball player, becoming better as a person, you know, doing good things. Um, so I, I, that's a big part of my day, whether it's putting my headphones in and going for a run or a walk, 
um, or you know whether I'm working out, doing whatever. It's it's something that I that I do try to do every single day. It's it's such a huge key, and for everyone listening out there, that visualization and speaking things into existence. Like Jim was saying, he's seeing himself make those shots before he takes it. And no matter what your dream is, you have to see yourself actually accomplishing that before you do. Like for myself, I've got a book coming out. I've, it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. I'm visualizing. It's going to happen. I'm speaking it into existence. So, so much, so much power in that, man. So much power in the visualization. And your books are great. Thank you. You're right. You're motivational. I love it. I mean, you, you, you do a great, you do a great job. You pump me up. I don't know about right, but every time I talk to David, I go, I, I, I'm done. Afterwards, I'm just pumped up on life. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you're the man. Man, he brings the juice for sure. Yes. <laughs> we got to do these podcasts daily. That's 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 my love language is affirmations. So thanks, guys. Yeah. So, so Dimmer, man, talk to us. I mean, uh, so career, man, you've accomplished a lot. You know, you've, you've done a lot of things that not a lot of guys will ever have a chance to do. Um, still playing at a high level and have a lot of many years still left to go. What's something that kind of keeps you motivated? What keeps Jimmer for dead going? Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a great question um, because, like you said, I have been able to accomplish a lot of things. So a lot of it is uh, a lot of it's just self-motivation. Um, me not feeling like uh, I'm ready to end and I have more things that I want to accomplish. Um, you know, it goes from being, you know, just a good basketball player and being able to leave a dent in leagues to be able to, like, be one of the best players to ever go to that league. You know what I mean? And that's something that I want to continue to um, accomplish, whether it be in the EuroLeague or it be in the CBA, Um, wherever it is, like, I want to still leave more of a legacy. And I know in order to do that, I got to continue to work hard. I got to keep getting better. So I set my own personal goals each and every single season um, to try to to motivate myself um, that I, that season, that's what I'm gunning for. That's what I'm, that's what I'm motivated to do. And I've always had a good self-motivation. I've always been able to not really, I mean, I listen, I hear everything you got. I mean, I'm sure you guys do. You hear all of the criticisms, you hear everything that goes on. And, and of course that, that motivates me a little bit, but at the same time, I'm so much more self-motivated where I feel like I need to, to get better. I feel like I'm the one that needs to, you know, be able to shoot the ball better or play better defense or whatever it is, you know, I'm always trying to uh, find something in my game that I can get better at or something in my life that I can get better at. And um, I've had that from a young age, just being competitive and and having that self-belief that I can always get better. Ray, I think Jimmer was born a one percenter from the start. Like you heard that? Yeah, just continuing improvement, continuing to pour in yourself daily. So all this that he does and the motivation to pour in yourself is now he's able to give to everybody else. Like we talked about with the joy and the, being the teammate, like it's all about, you got to build yourself up so you can give to others. And I love that, man. I love that constant growth, constant learning. Are there things you do throughout your day? Not necessarily just working out wise, but things that you're continuing to learn on. Maybe you're studying players, maybe you're reading books, how do you continue to grow and learn? For sure. Um, I've definitely started to read more uh, recently. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I, I, actually, I like to listen listen to things while I'm doing stuff. Um, and I, I've always been a huge um, basketball watcher. And, you know, I don't necessarily model my game after one person, 
or anything like that. Um, you know, I never really have, but I've tried to just take things from a lot of different people and just be like, Oh, I really like that move or oh, I really like that, hmm. that shot or what he did there. I love that footwork that he just did, whether it's a big or a small, whatever it is. And then I try to implement that, you know, into my game. Um, one guy, yeah, like I say, I really did love to watch was Darren Williams when he was back in Utah. I used to love watching him play. He was such a great player. He was a big shouldered guy, kind of like I was. Yeah. Um, could shoot it, could handle it, and great in pick and roll. So I used to, because I was in Utah when he was playing, so I used to watch him a lot in college and everything. Um, so it was really, really um, fun to be able to do that. But I just have always watched a lot of basketball, whether it had been high school. I used to watch high school games. I used to watch all the college games, NBA, whatever it was. I was watching and trying to progress and get better at each and every single day. So it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. There's your there's your best defender, best fan right there. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Little Taft. Hey, Taft. <laughs> yeah, Wesley over here. Wesley and Taft. How many of you guys going to go? You got two right now. Are you going to go a whole basketball team? I think we're going to go for at least one more. Okay. All right. Three on three. Probably yeah. probably three. We both came from three, so that's what we're thinking. Nice. Um, so we'll, we'll figure it out. But, yeah, they're the best. They're always having, we're always having fun. Nice, nice, man. Back to that question. I, I love that you said Deron Williams because that you your game is a lot like his. Now that I'm thinking about it, you have that same kind of hesitation, bounce, that that high crossover. And that's that's huge. Like you study and you compare yourself to others. Like a lot of people say comparison's a bad thing, but if used in the right way. Hey, you can compare yourself to others. You can steal from them, study them. Oh, I like this move. I like what he's doing. And it helps build yourself up. So, man, amazing answer. And I can absolutely tell in your game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's crazy you said it because I was, I was just about to ask, who's someone you always kind of modeled your game after? And, and someone well like you do, you know, other players like myself, like that's something that we still work on. We have to – you know, some guys are still trying to tune up their shot, their mechanics, trying to get more efficient shooting three. Someone who's shooting, you know, 60%, 40% from the three. Like, going into next, and, you know, you know whether you're going back to Europe or you're in the NBA or China, like, what is something that you want to work on going into next season? Because those percentages, it's like you kind of – the name of the game is making shots, and you're doing that at, at a high level. So yeah, what, what sure. are you working on? Yeah, for sure. It's always um, something that I'm fine tuning. Um, you know, obviously I'm always shooting to, to get, to just continue to keep that going. I want to continue to get better in that aspect. Um, you know, obviously shooting really well, but you have to continue to shoot in order to keep that pace. So you have to make sure that you, I, I do that. And, and, and now it's more of a confidence thing than it is a mechanical thing. It's just, you know, that night, you know, if I'm feeling it, it's, it's going to go in, you know what I mean? And, and hopefully you have more nights like that than not, but, you know, having that mental, you know, making sure that you put in the work and then mentally thinking that you're going to make it, you know, every night that's going to help my shooting. So for me, the biggest thing is just how do, how do I now create my shot? You know, I can actually make, I can make the shot once I get it. It's about creating the shot. So I've worked a lot on, um, off the ball movement. You know, I was always a point guard growing up all the way through BYU. And then once I got to the pros, they kind of moved me off the ball a little bit more. So I had to learn how to get better off the ball movement, whether it's back doors coming off of screens, uh, fades, you know, curls, whatever it is. And then I work, I work a lot on ball, uh, ball handling and, you know, just quick moves into my shots, transition moves into my shots and pick and rolls into my shots. 
So that's what I work on now religiously is just finding different ways that I can get my shot off. Just, I just need a little bit of space. So as long as I can find a little bit of space, whatever move it is, you know, a sidestep, a step back, um, you know, a little bump with the shoulder, you know, one foot in fade, whatever it is, I'm just trying to find new things each season that I can implement in my game to get my shot off. Man, great answer. You know what I really love that you touched on was confidence building your confidence, continue to build your confidence. Because to, to me, and from everybody on the outside looking in, you're one of the most confident people probably in the world. But saying that you want to continue to build your confidence, like it means we all win, can waver with confidence, but you have a true self-awareness in who you are that holds that firm confidence. The self-awareness, not necessarily based on, hey, if I make shots or I miss shots, that's not where my confidence is coming from, but from who you are. So that's, that's awesome, man. And we're gonna throw you, hey, we're gonna throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. So this is this this is whatever comes to your mind. It can be a quick answer or a long answer. Whatever comes to you, spit it out. First one we got. Do you have any favorite mindset quotes that you live by? Maybe something that's plastered to your fridge or on your ceiling. What are your go-tos? For sure. I have one that comes to mind. It's my favorite quote of all time. Nice. Uh, it's by Henry Ford. And it's the quote goes, whether you believe you can do it or you can't, you're right. Nice. I love that one. And because I'm such a I'm such a guy that that talks about mental, you know, mental thinking about it, speaking into existence. That that was a great quote. I heard it in middle school by one of my teachers and I thought it was amazing and I loved it ever since. It's beautiful. (laughs) Love that quote. Yeah. Since you're on the one percenter podcast, what does being a one to you? That's a great question. I think that for me, what I think it believes is, or what I think it really entails is that I think that everyone at some point during their life um, can be in, can do something to be in that 1% category. But the true one percenters are the people that do the difficult things and do something to better themselves every single day. Nice. You may do something, you may, some people may do something one day that makes it feel like they're one, one percenter, but then the next day they fall off and then maybe that gain has been lost. The true one percenters, and that's, I mean, to be one percent is very difficult, but it's the people that can do it every single day consistently and consistently get better because a lot of people can't do it. So if you're doing it, you're going to be one percenter. Boom. Consistency, right? He's hitting our words. It's like he's stealing from the book. He's stealing from everything we got. Consistency, relentless consistency. I love it, man. All right. Was there a moment that you realized, man, I'm, I'm in the NBA. Maybe it was a moment that you were just going off or maybe it was a moment that you got dunked on or something, but was there a time that you were on that floor? You're like, or maybe it was a time that you saw Ray, that Ray came into practice. You're like, all right, Ray's here, man, I'm in the NBA. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Always. That was always, that was always big for me. But uh, yeah, the one thing was, I mean, for sure, my welcome to the NBA moment was literally my first game in the NBA. Um, the first, I was coming off of the bench. I checked in the first quarter. I came in. I was Sacramento against the LA Lakers. Obviously, a really big rivalry for, especially for the Sacramento Kings fans. They don't like the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we, I came into the game, checked in, playing two guard. First person that came up and guarded me, Kobe Bryant. Wow legitimately he came in i came into the game we were on offense he came right up to me he 
put his shoulder, he put his forearm right into my chest, and the, the play wasn't even started yet. Put it right into my chest, and he said, "Welcome to the NBA, young fella." <laughs> wow! So he actually said, "Welcome to the NBA to you." That's that's amazing. Right now, let's let's get after it, I guess. <laughs> so that's that's what it was. It was crazy, man. Yeah, that's amazing, especially when he just tells you straight up, welcome to the NBA. Welcome to the NBA. Love it. Love it. Your definition of of leaving a legacy mean to you? That's a great question as well. Um, For me, I for sure want to leave a legacy as a basketball player. I want people to to realize that um, or to recognize maybe that that I was a winner. Um, that I was a great teammate, but that I was also, you know, a great scorer, a great shooter. Um, you know, I want people to think that I was one of the best scorers and shooters that they've ever seen. You know, that's what I wanted to leave on the court, you know, and as well as being a winner, a guy that brought a winning mentality to a team. But I also just don't necessarily just want to leave a legacy. You know, as a basketball player, I want to leave a legacy as being a good person as well. Uh, that's more important to me. Um, I hope that all of my teammates, all of my coaches that I played with all felt like, you know, I was being genuine. I was being a good person and trying to do good things. And, and hopefully, you know, they recognized me as a, as a good teammate and someone that, you know, wanted to be there and, and wanted to be helpful as much as I could. And, you know, that's a huge thing for me because that's what ultimately is most important in this life for me. So to leave a legacy, not just on the floor, but off the floor to be able to be a good person, to have people recognize that. I think that that's going to help you out way more down your life than uh, just being a great basketball player. Man, such a good answer. Absolutely agree to the max. Spot on. He's doing that all around the world, man. All around around the world. I'm doing it. I'm doing it in my apartment building here with my wife and, and whoever sees me in the apartment building, but all around the world, baby. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to assume if you weren't playing professional basketball, you would be a gourmet chef. I'm just going to make that assumption. So you got to give me what is your go-to meal? This is the thing like it's oh, it's fancy. It's it's the one big, big-time dish to show off on MasterChef. What do you got in your kitchen? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, we make a lot of different things. Um, I one, of, one thing that I love to cook – you know, probably more than others, probably pasta. We love to, we love to cook pasta. Um, we do this, this, this kind of spicy chicken Alfredo pasta. Um, so it's mm. kind of a, a little bit of a, it's an Alfredo sauce. So it's a cream based sauce, Alfredo cream based sauce with some red chili peppers in it. Um, some salt, some pepper, um, some garlic powder, uh, a little bit of oregano, a little bit of um, onion powder, um, chopped up some onions, chopped up some, um, some, um, some chili flakes. And we, we mix it all up and saute it and put it in a, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a pan. And we kind of mix the, the chicken in with it. And then we dump it on, uh, the pasta and it's kind of like a spicy chicken pasta, Alfredo pasta. And it's got a little bit of a kick to it, but it's, so it's a little bit different than just a regular fettuccine Alfredo, but it's, it's spectacular. We love it. We love it. And Man. it's something that we we're, we have it kind of down pat. We, we like it and we know how to make it. So it'd be something that I think the people would enjoy if I made it. <laughs> nice. We would enjoy that. Me and Ray will probably throw our pasta in the microwave called ramen noodles, but you're an inspiration, man. Jimmer, 
You are off the rapid-fire hot seat and the 1% podcast, but before we let you out of here, how can we all follow you? How can we all find everything that you're doing, everything, Jimmer? Where's it at? Yeah, I'm on, you know, I'm obviously on all the, the social medias, uh, you know, Jimmer Fredette. Um, one of them is Jimmer Fredette. I think my Instagram is Jimmer Fredette underscore 32 um, or Jimmer Fredette 32. I can't remember which one it is, but I'm out there for sure. I'm verified. So if you want to follow me on any of those, that's great. I'm not very, I'm not very cool on social media. My wife is way better at social media than I am, to be honest with you. She actually is. She's really good at social media. Yeah. She makes, she actually is the one that does most of my posts anyway. She's I real good that. at it. Um, but the one thing that I do want to say is um, if you do want to follow um, my foundation, I have a foundation. It's the Fredette Family Foundation. Um, and you can go to jimmerosity.org. So it's Jimmer and then just like generosity, it's jimmerosity.org. And uh, you can check in on all the things that we've done and all the things that we do. Um, we mostly are in the, uh, the Utah area and also um, the upstate New York area where I'm from. Um, but we've branched out and done things all over the country. We did some things in Greece this past year um, nice. with some refugee camps and everything. But um, we've been able to... Uh, do a lot of great work, especially in the school districts. Um, we focus on trying to help kids um, promote kindness and understand the importance of in, um, inclusivity. And uh, we do anti-bullying programs in school districts. Um, so it's really a great thing. We've had a lot of success with it, and it continues to grow. Um, we got about 15,000 kids almost in our programs across the, the Utah and upstate New York area. And it's been great. So we're continuing to grow. So if you want to look at it, um, curiosity.org. And uh, we always help you. We always could could use more help. So, man, we will absolutely promote that. And I mean, we'll we'll link into the show notes for sure. But that's that's huge, man. That's huge. Using your platform of basketball, God given abilities you have for so, so much more. And I know like you can be proud about the stats of the 60, 60, 90, but I'm sure when that's the thing that makes you the most proud, your family and that right there, that's, that's amazing. Jimmer, you are, you are just a breath of fresh air in so many ways. I've been able to know you for a few years. And like, like you said, every time I talk to you, you pump me up, you motivate me, you give me joy. Like it's those type of people that we just love being around. Ray, the same for sure. So man, just all I can say is keep being you. I don't know what else to say. I don't even have any advice or anything. Ray, you, you got any last party words before we let this guy out of here? Man, this is who he is, man. Great guy. So yeah. I, I met him seven years ago now. So yeah. Keep shedding your light in the world, man. Stay healthy. Good luck the rest of the way. And keep putting up uh, those points for us, man. (laughs) I appreciate it, Ray, man. Same to you. Good luck out there. Hope they figure things out out there for you. But um, I've talked to some of my people in Shanghai. They all said that they love you out there. They love you. They appreciate you. They say you're a great guy and obviously a great basketball player. So I was was awesome to be able to, you know, be able to be your teammate and help you out a little bit in, in Sacramento. And now we're both off doing great things. So, and David, thanks for all your, your help and uh, training and all the kind words always. So I appreciate both of you. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% Podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% 
daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. If you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it, one star of course if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement into someone. You can and you 